Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today is Professor Abdullahi Batili, the former Special Representative of the UN Secretary General for Central Africa and Head of the UN Regional Office for Central Africa, which is based in Gabon. Uh, Professor Batili, what are you doing these days since you left the, the UN job? Well, I am on my own, uh, attending conferences, debates, and uh, of course uh, consultancy work also um, in different parts of the continent and elsewhere. But I'm sure you still have an I, eye. I'm a retired professor of the University of Sharanta Job de Dakar. Yes, of course. Yeah. But I'm sure you still have an eye on the things that are happening in the region you're covering, in Central Africa and Burundi. And uh, what, what do you say? And uh, what do you think? Well, I was uh, the, the head of the UN regional office for Central Africa. And of course, uh, in that capacity, I had to monitor the political events, the development in uh, all the countries, the 11 countries of ECAS, Economic Community of Central Africa. And uh, what I can say in a nutshell, this is the region which is the least developed in terms of political development, in terms of democratic, uh, uh, in terms of democratic uh, uh, movements. Civil societies are weak. Political parties are weak. Moreover, in almost all those countries, you still have, by and large, uh, one party, de facto one party systems. Uh, yet, this is a region which has more potential than anywhere else in the, on the continent in terms of natural resources. When you think of Gabon, you think of Equatorial Guinea, you think of uh, uh, DRC, uh, Central Africa Republic, Cameroon, Congo Brazzaville, they are oil-rich countries. They are rich in uh, other natural resources, timber, etc., um, etc. Et well, isn't this a failure of leadership in this region? Well, we can say that there is a lot of concern about what is happening in the region in terms of, as I said, uh, political uh, uh, dispensation. Uh, because in most of those countries, we are grappling with very difficult transi political transitions up to now. Uh, I have witnessed, um, I've been there from May 2014, to uh, October 2016. Yes. In the course of my tenure there, I have uh, witnessed very violent election electoral processes. And uh, this is a region where you have the longest serving head of states in Africa. Paul Bia, for example. You have Paul Bia in Congo Brazzaville, in Equatorial Guinea, 
and even DRC, and of course uh, Gabon. Gabon. <laughs> yes. See. Yeah. So I mean, but also, can you blame the leaders too? Because the way people themselves exercise violence against each other. I mean, they're all in the same country. Why do they have to exercise such violence against each other? No, it's not uh, the people. It's uh, a political system which has brought this situation, brought about this situation. Um, in all those countries where you have political violence, it boils down to governance issues. The management of a country in terms of political governance, in terms of economic governance, in terms of management of diversity, be it ethnic, regional diversity, cultural diversity, religious, like religious diversity also. So, uh, we, you, Central Africa region, Central Africa region concentrates all the, 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 the ills and the dooms of Africa today. So, so what, what? What's your suggestion to change things? I'm sure because you've seen it firsthand. Well, it is not up to me to, to change a thing, but maybe to help uh, the, the political uh, actors to come together until such time as government realizes that we, uh, the way they are conducting affairs, they cannot change qualitatively the situation of their country. In terms of the economy, for instance, if there is no economic diversity, if they do not diversify their economy, they will always have crisis, such as what they are living in now. That is, we slump in oil prices, which have a kind of spiral effect on the living conditions of the people. And of course, the revenues of a government, etc., etc. But also in terms of politics, to speed up the process of political democratization. So this is absolutely necessary. Uh, our, in, in our terms, also there is a necessity to uh, manage this diversity in such a way that all the citizens will feel part of the national uh, 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 I mean, fabric, fabric yes. which is not the case. In most of those countries you have civil you had, have had civil wars, you have had ethnic tensions, conflicts, rebellions in most countries. And even those who have known uh, have been uh, have undergone uh, a certain level of peace, national peace, and things are um, starting to, to worsen, such as in Cameroon, for instance, between this rift between uh, the so-called Anglophone and uh, Francophone areas. So it magnifies, symbolizes the, 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 the lack of uh, capability or willingness, political will, to manage the diversity in both well, countries. Well, but in, in the process, it's the countries that are losing now because international companies are running off with the natural resources like in the DRC and other regions. I mean, uh, how do we uh, resolve that? Because I mean, Western companies, it seems, thrive on conflict in Africa. 
When I was uh, in the region, I attempted to uh, get the government together to uh, deepen regional integration because ECAS is far behind in terms of regional integration yes. compared to uh, SADC, to ECOWAS, yes. to East African community. So unless they come together and they diversify their economy, of course, multinational company will continue to thrive at the expense of the people and the expense of the government themselves because they have no control over those multinational companies so as long as they are, well, you know, I mean, they tackle it one by one. Well, I mean, some of the leaders are in league with these companies anyway. They're getting money paid into their account in Europe, so they don't care. Yeah, because they, they, are, they are in a weak position and so long as they don't come together, we will be in a weak position and being in weak position, of course, they can they, they allow themselves to be uh, manipulated or to be conducted by those multinational companies. Well, they themselves have been manipulative like in, the, uh, in Burundi, where the ICC has been threatening to investigate, but uh, it seems as if nothing's happened. Yeah, Burundi case is a very, very is a point in case. Uh, although Burundi does not have uh, much of natural resources at least so far, but the political uh, problems are uh, numerous and uh, uh, very, 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 very uh, complicated. And uh, of course, as you know, Burundi has been has undergone almost 30 years of civil war. Yes. And since 2000, we would have fought that they would overcome until 2013. And you see what is happening now. Burundi is in a, is in a total chaos, you know. But I think the, the regional organization, the regional organization should play a better role. Because the UN, for instance, has, be, has been attempting to get Burundi on course, but it did not. We they did not uh, meet with the uh, political will from the regional uh, regional organization, East Africa, uh, East African uh, uh, community, and ECAS. Because, for instance, it's about the third <laughs> the third term. But in most countries of Central Africa, all the heads of states are seeking for third term, having have gone beyond third term. So, who are they to teach Burundi to well, to do to well, to to, well, to, 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 to that, Yeah, that's an interesting point because I mean, in the 1990s, this reawakening of democracy in Af in Africa, things went smoothly. But we've gone back to square one, it seems, in in the 21st century. Yeah, I think there is a democratic downturn on the continent. Why is that? Uh, when you look at the situation in the 1990s and early 2000s, yes. democracy was so sort of developing in the countries and uh, not only you had multi-party system, political multi-party system, you have, have had uh, uh, political, I mean social uh, uh, civil society organization ripening all over the continent. But recently, what we have witnessed, and, and we even had a uh, 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 change of government, democratic, uh, you know, 
transition which uh, have led to the change of government through the electoral process. But now, more and more, leaders tend to stick to power, to renew their term in spite of the constitution. They change the constitution to renew again, to, to expand, to extend the, the terms of their, of, of their power. And more and more we see that. More and more the government tend to clamp down on dissenting opinions within the countries. You see, the trade unions, opposition political parties, civil society organizations. This is what I call democratic downturn. Yeah. Currently yeah. on the continent. And if you look yes. in all the region, even West Africa, which has made significant progress, look at Togo, what is going on there. No, I, I think you made a point about the, the problem is that uh, with the uh, revival of democracy in Africa, I think, like you said, the civil society organizations, the media, the, the, the uh, trade unions, they thought that with an open society, they can say and do whatever they like. These things have also compounded the, the, the issues in some of these countries because the sort of things some NGOs say, the sort of things some newspapers write, these cannot be allowed in, uh, in, uh, in a Western society. So, so democracy for them, it's, you can say or do whatever you like. No, whenever the democratic space is closed, it gives rise to excesses. Yes. This is what happened. Mm -hmm. Because what has happened in most countries now, uh, there is, uh, in, in spite of the democratic procedures, elections and all that you have, and formal liberty and freedom, but in actual fact, you have family-led group yes. which manage the country. The power basis is narrowing in almost all those countries. Lot of, um, I mean, uh, corruption yes. is expanding. And the citizens are left behind in this process. And this is why when the democratic uh, system is uh, fraught with so many problems, uh, you leave way to um, uh, groups outside the process who of course take the law into their own hands and who tend to to behave in such a way but uh, of course uh, it, it compounds as you said mm -hmm. the, the problems rather than you know uh, solving them yeah but what you just explained really is part of african culture african tradition you know in the old days before the colonialist you had the big chief who held sway and he controlled everything and things moved on smoothly so I think that's what they want to get back to, but because of the democratic process, it's not working. Well, as a historian, I would uh, dispute that position. As a historian, I have studied the African political systems mm -hmm. from early times to colonial days. Yes. In fact, the African, uh, rarely you have a dictator who decides everything. We have our own traditional system of checks and balances. Oh, yes, no, I agree. Yeah, which which I did agree. exist. Yes, yes. So I think this is a, the, the uh, European anthropologist mm -hmm. who expanded that view that Africa was uh, the realm of dictatorship, the chief dictatorship, the king, king's dictatorship. It never existed. Mm -hmm. 
in fact. Uh, in all societies, mm -hmm. you have check and checks and balances. Yes, no, of course, the chief had control, yeah. but yes, you had the, yeah. the, the elders and whatever. Yeah, no, it worked that way. But that's what I'm saying. So Africa is now grappling to, to, to get back to that situation because it's a mixture of both they're now doing. Yeah, well, yes, of course, this is why I'm saying mm. we are undergoing a transition process. But a transition process where, of course, actors, depending on their interests, tend to hold back or to push forward mm -hmm. the system. And what I have say, said, I have seen over the last 10 years, is this democratic downturn whereby the, 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 the leaders and we uh, in government tend to uh, hold back the democratic process. Whereas the citizens, the civil society organizations uh, and other groups in society tend to push forward. So there is constant clashes between those two camps. Yeah, but for how long do you think these rulers and the elite will, will, will survive? Because uh, in a recent book, uh, making Africa work, launched at the Tana Forum, it was suggested that if African political leaders don't change, with the, with the growing rate of uh, young people entering the cities and getting frustrated, the elites and the politicians will not survive. Of course they not survive because, you know, today almost 60, over 65% of the population of Africa are young, young people. Yes, exactly who has no job mm -hmm. because of economic crisis, because of no inexistence of any innovative way of conducting our economies. Mm -hmm. uh, they are millions of young people are jobless. Mm -hmm. So they tend to, uh, to rise against the regime in place, whatever uh, the situation, throughout the continent now. And therefore, this is why I think it is important uh, to push forward not only the political democracy but also the economic democracy to diversify our economy to create jobs through industrialization because you cannot have jobs through only uh, exporting raw material uh, to the rest of the world unless such time as we have African uh, companies multinational companies, Budangotes, uh, throughout Africa. You see, the Olumelus, the other, they come together and invest in, not only in, in trade, but also in industry, in trade, in the numeric economy. And so that the, the, the gains we got from all these infrastructures which, have been, which are being built, can remain in the country, create more jobs, has a multiplying effect on the economy, we do not go anywhere. This is why I think it's uh, the, the demographic dividend can, be, can work negatively in so far as it can create barbary all over the continent, or it can uh, work positively if it is accompanied by sound economic reforms. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back. My guest today is Professor Abdullah Batili, former Special Representative of the UN Secretary General for Central Africa 
and head of the UN Regional Office for Central Africa in Gabon. But the point is, you mentioned people like Dangote, who are African businessmen. But in most African countries, politicians stifle local businesses. They will prefer to have foreigners working with them rather than encourage Africans to uh, do uh, the business that will help the continent. This is Why one, is that? This is one of the problems we have, this full corruption. Mm. Because politicians uh, tend to substitute to uh, business, real business people. Mm -hmm. They prefer to deal with uh, um, multinational companies, foreign companies, yes. so that they can have uh, kickbacks and yes. dashes, as they call it, and to, uh, to, to take it out yes. and uh, to, uh, to their foreign bank accounts. Yes. And so long as this continues to exist, African economy will not take off. Um, today, you see, uh, we, we, have, we had uh, our traditional uh, international partners, European, Americans. Yes. But now uh, China came to the scene. But it does not change anything in this. Up to now, when people talk about the necessity of having um, uh, uh, international companies to come and work the infrastructures uh, on our infrastructures, it's good enough. But can we continue to rely on those international companies? No. I think we have the, the clue, the key to development is the creation of an indigenous business class in all countries. What the French uh, historian called uh, les bourgeois conquérants, yes. the conquering bourgeoisie, mm -hmm. which will create, accumulate wealth throughout, through the, uh, the, the national wealth, invest locally, have a local manpower, scientists, lawyers, uh, what have you. So long as Africa does not have its own indigenous entrepreneurial class, we cannot go anywhere. We cannot rely only on other bourgeoisie to develop Africa. It's not possible. This is my conviction. Well, exactly. We have to create the social basis for the development of Africa. And so far, this does not exist. We have only what, what I may call a, a plutocratic bourgeoisie, which is led, which is linked to foreign companies. And this, cannot, this uh, uh, political bourgeoisie cannot be an agent of economic change. Well, you see, I mean, th th this is the point, because, I mean, the continent itself, which has huge agricultural potential, I was just reading a report yesterday that it imports $68 billion worth of food every year. That is a lot of money to, to spend on food imports for the whole continent, you know, which has huge agricultural potential to feed itself and even the world. This is the problem we have. Uh, not only this agriculture, all this vast land we have, arable land we have in Africa, lays follow. It is not... I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, because uh, transformed. Everyone, everyone wants to go to the city. Of course. Well, because the, the rural, uh, the rural, the, 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 I mean, the rural, the countryside is not an object 
of development. No, no transformation is taking place in the countryside. And in more, more, uh, worse still, some governments prefer to give vast tract of land to foreign companies, Ooh. be it from Middle East, from uh, America, from Europe, from, uh, from Asia, to come and develop agriculture in Africa. And it will be the same mechanism through the transfer, be, be, be transfer of raw materials to outside Africa. You see, so we have to transform the agricultural system. We have to to transform the raw material, mineral raw materials, and to create an industrial base, an industrial base which is linked to a rural base, not only to enable Africa to feed itself, but also to be an agent of industrial change. But do, if it does not happen, <coughs> I'm afraid nothing will <laughs> but, move. But does Africa, does it have the, the manpower? Because, I mean, governments are not paying attention to education, they're not paying attention to infrastructural development like um, uh, electricity. And if these things are not in place, then we won't get the industrial base Africa. We have a potential. Yes. Already African university, African diaspora, can play a role if there is a political will to use the diaspora, to use the, 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 the universities. We have, enough, we have enough engineers, we have enough doctors, we have, at this level, if the political will in less than a decade, the, 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 the configuration can change totally. Secondly, when you, uh, you, you say we don't have we don't have the, 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 the manpower. The manpower can, is something which has to be brought about through an ed, a sound education system. Here again is an area where the political will should play. The issue of energy. Do you know that we... we, we, we uh, DRC has a potential to create the conditions for, uh, for the Inga Dam, for yeah, instance. Hydroelectricity. Hydroelectricity, yes. which yes. is uh, 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 cheaper than any other. Even, the, even the Sahara Desert. We can have the Sahara Desert. So, so we, have, we have it. So it boils down to political will, in fact. We know the, the issue. I have worked a lot on the issue of regional integration and the mechanism of regional integration. I was the convener of CODA, Coalition for Dialogue on Africa, which was a sort of think tank. And we discussed, we, we worked with ADB and ECA and the African Union uh, four years ago. For the ADB at one point didn't have in its mechanism uh, a way to fund sub-regional project, projects or regional projects. Yes. And we have gone around the countries to say this has to change. And now, since then, ADB is able to raise money for regional projects. And, for, and we have to push that, so that for, if the Inga Dam can be built, uh, other uh, I mean, uh, 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 energy project can be set up. 
So it's boiled down again to the political will. We, what we lack in Africa most is the political will. But, but also... We, we have a, a leadership crisis on the continent today. This is our problem, main problem. But also the people themselves have been sucked into this cynical way. Because, I mean, you talked about the diaspora going to help. But when people from abroad get there, they tell them, no, don't come and change our system. You know, uh, they, they want the, the, the corrupt system to, 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 main, to, to stay. So the, the, these are the conflicts that uh, people have when they go back home to, to, to help. But as African citizens, if we are from the diaspora, we go, we have to fight it. We have to fight it. Well, well, as citizens from within the country, we have to fight it. Yes. Because it's, not, nothing is given for granted. So it's a matter of mobilizing the people. When I talk about political will, the political will expressed in a way for some people, especially the leadership, so that things, nothing will change. Yes. Except for themselves, their pockets. Yes. But for the other citizens, they have to mobilize. Well, that's the point. It means, it means that uh, what we have as our duty, as African citizens, is to mobilize ourselves to get together the like-minded people to get together and to fight for the transformation of Africa. Yes, but these well-entrenched politicians know how to deal with outsiders. Look, for example, in Sierra Leone, the former director of UNIDO, Yumkela, went and joined one of the uh, entrenched parties. They booted him out. They forced him out of the party because they thought that he wanted to be to change things that might stop all the corruption and, and whatever. So how, how do you expect outsiders yeah. to help. Well, they throw, out, throw you out once, you come back and you continue the struggle. A lot of continue. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's formed a new party anyway. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean... I really believe that it's not a matter of one individual. It's a matter of a collective will. An organized group of people having the right vision and determined to implement that vision, whatever the sacrifices to make. Yes, so I mean, this is my own experience. Yes, and of course, for for for, for my own experience, democracy uh, in Senegal. Senegal is considered as one of the, uh, uh, the model of political democracy. But but 40 years ago, when we were a student, I wrote a book, my book on uh, uh, on Senegal's uh, May 68 and revolt. And you're sent to join the army. I, I sent to join the army. I, I went to prison seven times, you know, for my ideas, for democracy. Mm -hmm. And it is through our struggles, our sacrifices, as students, as uh, trade union leaders, as politicians, as citizens, that we got that model of Senegalese democracy. It didn't come out of the, out of the air. Yes, but it then was not given us as a, you know. You had a, you had a leader, Serasenga, who was a thinker, and you had uh, other leaders who were thinking. But a thinker, so, a thinker, but he has to be pushed to do well, so. Yes, of course. He has to be pushed to do so. He wouldn't have done it had we not mobilized against him. You see, well, I must say, but he has been, I mean, uh, wise enough to step down at one point because he could no longer continue. He knew that if he continued, uh, I mean, taking another term, another term, the country might go totally away. Mm -hmm. You see? So he had that vision at least yes. uh, to save the truth uh, mm -hmm. compared to 
some other leaders who still sting, I mean, stick to power and change terms, and etc. But still, it is because of the struggle of the democratic forces in Senegal, but we had what, we democ what demo this democracy we have today. So is that the secret why, of all the 16 ECOWAS countries, there's been no coup in, in, in Senegal? Has no? No coup, coup d'etat Oh yes, yes, I, yeah. So what's, the, what's the secret? Yes. Uh, well, the secret is that, because the political actors, I wrote some, somewhere a piece on that, mm -hmm. um, because uh, when the struggle heightens in the country every time, there is a level which we do not step into. That is, the political actors, social actors come together, discuss, and found a minimum common ground to stabilize the situation and the struggle continue. This is what we have done for the last 50 years in the country. Mm -hmm. I can say that because I have been an actor yes. at the forefront yes. throughout. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're visiting professor here at the ALC. What do you see uh, as the future for the continent's young leaders? Is there, any, is there anything positive? Well, there is some, uh, I mean, a lot of things which are positive. Of course, uh, uh, each generation has to face its own challenges to solve them. Uh, people of my generation, um, in my 70s, uh, we had fought under a context, a historical context, which is no longer there. Yes. Mm -hmm. They have to change, to, 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 to face their own problems and to solve them. What I can see today, I'm very optimistic. For young people throughout the continent, and I crisscross the continent, I go everywhere, north, south, east, and what I have seen is that this level of mobilization of young people all over the continent. A new leadership is emerging in spite of what kind of, a lot of problems, but still, uh, you see, even the refugees who go through the Mediterranean, it's uh, an, uh, an idea what is happening on the continent. Mm -hmm. You see, some are going drone dead in the Mediterranean Sea, but more importantly, other young people are uh, migrating into other African countries. In fact, uh, there is a lot of talks about those young people going through the Sahara to Mediterranean, but mm. this is a, a small part mm. of the African migration, the small part of the story of the African migration. You have Nigerians going to uh, east, south, you have Senegalese going to east, south, etc., north. And this is, in this way, the free movement of people, of goods, of energies, this is what will save Africa tomorrow. Professor Abdullahi Batili, former Special Representative of the UN Secretary General for Central Africa and the Head of the UN Regional Office for Central Africa in Gabon, thank you very much. Thank you very much and happy to see you again yes, after so many years. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC 
and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com. <laughs>